I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Welcome to the Trampoline Hall podcast. I'm your host, Misha Globerman. Trampoline Hall is a lecture series that takes place in a bar. Now, people give lectures on all kinds of subjects. The one restriction is that they cannot lecture on subjects on which they are professionally expert. After each lecture, we take questions from the audience. You probably already know all of this, but if you're just tuning in now, uh, we are reminding you. In the past episodes, a couple of times what I've done is I've phoned people uh, to get their insights about the show, to sort of give you some background on the show and how it works. Uh, this time, um, instead of going to the phone, I'm just going to turn to my left and uh, I'm here with our producer, Josh Block. Hey, Josh. Hello. So right now we're in the studio. Which is also my car. Yeah, that was, I was going to, I was going to sort of ease into that <laughs> bit of magic. I know you don't feel great about that. No, I don't. I don't. I feel, I've been, we've, we've tried to keep that secret, but I think now is the time. I feel, uh, Trampling Hall audience, I feel like we know each other well enough now that I can reveal to you um, that the studio that we've been recording in uh, is actually Josh's car. And it's a, uh, what kind of car is it? This is a Fiat, a Fiat 500. It's a Fiat 500. Uh, and uh, it's that, if you, if you know anything about cars, it's a very small car. Uh, and so what we do is uh, every once in a while, Josh picks me up in his car and we drive off and we drive to a dead end street and we record the podcast. So Trampling Hall is brought to you from a small car on a dead end street. And and I think we, we do get some audience. I feel like the folks in this neighborhood are starting to recognize us. They're starting to. Yeah. And that's the way. Well, with the podcast, that's what you have to do. You have to build audience gra- gradually. Josh, what's it like? It seems like it's like a challenging thing to get all the like sound working and all that kind of thing. Has that been what's that been like? Well, it's interesting. As you mentioned before on the podcast, their show was not recorded with the idea of making a podcast. Like yeah. if we were just going to do this as a podcast, it would be mic'd a little bit differently. And so you do you like take things out when people hear when people listen to the podcast? They're listening to like you like edit with like a, with a light hand. Is that is that right? Or? I think that's accurate. Yeah. I mean, there's not, it's not like a heavy edit. There also are certain questions that kind of go nowhere. Um, and, and with in mind that, you know, when you're at the live event, you're just necessarily more engaged with what's going on. And we know that as people listen to the podcast, um, you, there might not be as much buy-in right away. So there's a light edit to make it Right, so we're sort of making it a little, make it flow smoothly. a little, make it a little bit. That, that makes sense. That makes sense. And have you, have you, you've probably now listened to like, you've listened to a lot of them. Yeah. How are you liking the podcast so far? That's, that's a great podcast. <laughs> Here's a couple of things I've actually noticed. Is I'm sure everyone who's a regular there knows, but there's a few people that ask questions that always ask questions. Oh yeah. So are you are you starting to recognize questioners by their voice? I sure am. That's really interesting. I I, I hear Margot. 
Yeah, Margot she's is often, definitely. Am I right in saying she's often the first person to ask a question? Margot is often the first person, or else, or else she's not the first question, first person. But when she asks the question, you forget all previous questions. <laughs> yeah, she's definitely like she's one of the most distinctive questioners, I think. So here's another question, just in terms of the technical stuff of the show. Why do we record this in your car? Why why do we why do we do this in your car, Josh? Because the alternative would be hiding in my closet <laughs> with a blanket over our heads. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really happy now that we recorded the car. I up until now I've been sort of sad that we recorded the car, but now I'm happy in the car. So I'm 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 glad we had this talk. All right. Well, I think this uh, does this Josh does this seem like a good time for us to uh, to go to the uh, this episode's lecture. I think so. Okay, great. Uh, and those of you listening at home, you may be wondering if it contains mature language. I'm going to say it may. It may contain mature language. Oh, and I think it will because the topic of the lecture is Courtney Love, and the lecturer is Cameron Lee. <laughs> So, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Cameron Lee, as introduced. Thank you, Misha. Um, And I also go by Courtney Love. So, to say that I go by Courtney Love, I mean, occasionally, I like to dress up like what I would consider Courtney Love. This is me as Courtney Love. Hi! I've done a few drag performances as Courtney. I've never been paid to do it. It's totally my thing. I just really love Courtney. And that has everything to do with Courtney as a celebrity, Courtney as an icon, Courtney as the other blonde bitch. And Courtney is a bitch. Courtney is very much a self-described bitch, sometimes an asshole. Courtney Love was born Courtney Michelle Harrison. She was born in California in the 60s, 1964. Her 50th birthday is coming up, guys. Bicentenary. (laughs) July 9th. Mark it on your calendars. Courtney was born to a psychotherapist mother who's still practicing, and she does lectures if you ever need her. Her name's Linda... She's interesting. (laughs) And her father, Hank, he um, was kind of a a hanger-on to the 60s revolutionary spirit, the 60s. He was briefly the manager of uh, the Grateful Dead. Um, Courtney, a young... I think maybe she was a few months old, was on the back cover of a Grateful Dead album cover, and she likes to make reference to that disparagingly. When she was a kid, uh, her parents had some tensions. You know, the the drugs wore off after the party when they met. And uh, her parents filed for divorce, which at the time was a pretty big deal. Her mom came from some money, and... uh, her dad was kind of known as this notorious lech. So the rumor was that she'd been given acid at age three. It's never been proven. Again, Courtney likes to disparagingly make that reference, you know, like a boyfriend who picks you up in a Trans Am. You're like, oh, yeah, that thing. Oh, fuck. 
So he lost custody of her, and she spent a lot of time living on a commune. Her mom got married, divorced, married, divorced. They moved up to Oregon. She became known as P-Girl at school because she didn't really have much adult supervision. No one was washing her clothes. She acted out a lot, which I guess makes sense when you're being raised by a bunch of people who don't know how to do laundry and smoke weed all day and have pretty lofty goals but not much get up and go. (laughs) So, our Courtney... She's causing trouble, she's having issues, and um, she is surrounded by these hippies, and her mom, who's, you know, a psychotherapist and has her own agenda, is feeling a little bit challenged by this pretty aggressive female presence. I don't know that her mom would ever say this, and Courtney has never said this overtly, but from most of the reading that I've done and most of just what I understand through my own personal background. I have a sister. She's smart. She has a mother. She's smart. Too many bitches in one room. So, her mother thinks that she needs to simplify because she's living in this commune in Oregon in the 60s and things are getting hairy and we need to just get back to our roots. So she finally gets, conveniently, her inheritance from her uh, wealthy parents. And, idea, let's move to New Zealand and start a sheep farm. That's a great idea. So they do. Oh, but wait. Let's, Let's give Courtney a little bit of time to adjust to the move by moving everyone. She's on marriage number two right now, Linda. Everyone but Courtney to New Zealand and she can live with one of my psychotherapist friends. It'll be great. She'll settle, we'll settle, and then she'll come and it'll be paradise. Wasn't. Courtney was fucking pissed. (laughs) Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Courtney Love, age eight or nine, she's already had some issues, creepy daddy gone, new marriage, new siblings, her mom kind of doesn't talk to her. And then they abandon her? Like, they move to New Zealand. Imagine yourself at age nine and your family's like, okay, bye, we're going. We'll, uh, we'll see ya. Courtney, don't worry about it. You're just gonna hang out with this stranger and their family. It'll be great. So Courtney acted out and she was really angry. She, uh, <laughs> she was very volatile. Apparently, the son of the woman with whom she was living, who was about her age, maybe a little older, was kind of a creep, but it was like that prepubescent creep where you don't really know what to do with yourself. So he would like poke her and grab her and pull her hair and like steal her clothes. So Courtney, being the smart young burgeoning witch that she was, (laughs) took it upon herself to cause these kind of makeshift little happenings to fuck with this guy. So she would sneak into his room and like move things or like steal them and make these little voodoo shrines. And she apparently, according to legend, went into his room one night, 
pricked her finger with uh, a pin and rubbed blood smears all over his pillowcase. Yeah, House Mother was not having none of that. So immediately called Linda in New Zealand and, you know, was busy with her sheep. And so Linda said, all right, okay, she can come to New Zealand, fine. Ends up in New Zealand and has to live with a neighbor just so that she can adjust. She's living with the neighbor, self-ascribed spinster woman, Sophie. And uh, Sophie's got lots of great books and is very interesting, but Courtney's a chatterbox, so, mm, you know, it's kind of cramping the spinster spinster lifestyle. So Sophie says, you know, on with you back to the farm. And on the farm, Courtney doesn't quite fit in. She's not working with the new children. She's not working with the livestock. So she's not allowed to talk to any of the other half-siblings. She's not allowed to do any work on the farm. And she's not allowed to live in the house. She lives in a shed behind their house. Yeah. That doesn't quite work out because... Surprisingly, the young child feels neglected and acts out because of it. So they send her to a reform school. And at this very, very formal reform school, she lasts a few months and they, they, they expel her because she is, according to Courtney, too weird. So they don't know what to do with her. Like, Courtney, come on, you can't fit in, you can't live on the the sheep farm, you can't live at the reform school, what are you going to do? Go back to the United States. So her mom sends her back to live with one of her first stepfathers who'd adopted her as his own daughter at one point, Frank Rodriguez, and he's living in uh, upstate Oregon, and she's by this point maybe about 11 or 12 And I don't know if you guys remember being 11 or 12. Um, Maybe some of you don't remember being an 11 or 12-year-old girl, but, you know, imagine if you can. Um, She's stepping into a middle school scenario. She's a tween. It's the 70s. There's, you know, this, like, post-hippie utopian idealism. Uh, There are the Bay City Rollers. That's her rock. You know, she's got the plaid hemmed, you know, uh, uh, bell-bottom jeans. And she's a pretty smart kid, but doesn't have much in the way of uh, credibility. She's fairly insecure. Um, So she tries to fit in. She hangs out with some boys and makes out with one in particular, and the girls are like, are you fucking kidding me? That guy's a nerd. (laughs) Good one. Nice try, new girl. So, again... It's post-60s, and fake daddy Frank, who's really nice, is uh, a pothead, and she steals some of his weed and hands it out to her buds, and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, you're cool, you got weed. All right, we can be friends. And then she's like, okay, great, I don't really smoke weed. Amazing. You know what, guys? Neither do I. And that's something that Courtney Love and I have in common. (laughs) Aversion to weed. So she's, you know, 
she's 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 in, but she's got to up the ante. She's got to make herself out to be the notable badass. So she goes to Woolworths and she steals a Kiss T-shirt and gets caught. Shit. And by this point, she's about twelve or thirteen, so she's she's a minor, but she's you know getting into the teen years, so things are getting tense. Adults are a little uncomfortable by her, and uh, her being caught with this is not a good thing. She doesn't really have a, a, a parental figure. Frank is nowhere to be found. They call her mother and they can't reach her. So she ends up in juvie and she's waiting and waiting and waiting to figure out what's going to happen. Like, is an adult going to step in? Nobody does. Nobody does. And apparently, the news, the local news, covers this story. Who knows why? Maybe nothing's going on in this community in, in the late 70s, whatever. And she's pretty jazzed about it because, I mean, I don't know about you guys, if you're alone for a long time, you start to dream a lot, and Courtney's dream is to become famous. And Courtney's dream is for people to adore her because she's been neglected for a fucking long time. So she gets all jazzed about this, and all of the other girls in the reform school are uh, like, "Uh, no, bitch, chill. And she starts a fight with one of them and tears a a bed sheet that one of them is trying to use to smother her. Your government officials of Oregon get wind of this, and they charge her not only for the shoplifting, but for, for vandalizing government property. (sighs) Poor Courtney. So, because of that, she ends up even deeper in the system. So now she's in some pretty, like, restrictive juvenile hall. So it's basically jail for anybody under 18. And long story short, you know, she's isolated a lot, and people are like, this bitch doesn't know how to shut up. There are lots of reports that I've read of her being treated as though she is a monster. And that is kind of internalized by her. And she is kind of trying to figure out who she is. She's a teenager, and she really wants to rebel. She's pissed off. The system has failed her. There are reports saying, like, why does she want to buck the system? She just needs to learn to deal with it and to accommodate it. And, I mean, I can't help but reading this, because these are, these are like, I'm, I'm reading this from, um, from reports that were issued by Hillcrest, which is the juvenile hall that she was admitted to. And they're saying things verbatim, like, she just needs to learn to put her head down and live within the world according to the restrictions that we all do. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess we all have to live by those means. But fuck that shit. Come on. She has, she has been betrayed on so many levels by her family, by the system itself. I, I can't help but feel a lot of empathy for her. So she eventually ends up in foster care, and apparently that was pretty messed up. Lots of creeps on her. But in between then and the foster care kind of scenario, she um, encounters punk rock. And for her, that's this liberating thing. It's an opportunity for her to speak in a way that is individualized. I mean, it's a pretty American perspective. It's about 
one person who's rebelling in a way that you can survive off of versus rebelling where you're killing yourself. And she understood that at a pretty young age. Apparently, when she was about 16, she went to a cheap prick concert and somehow talked the door guy into giving her backstage passes. Ends up backstage. She's chatting these people up. Oh, I'm having a great time. She's 16. And she's watching Cheap Trick play from backstage and watching the audience. And she's like, that's me. I want to be fucking famous. <laughs> and that's Courtney Love. I mean, she is this self-made icon. Okay, fast forward. <laughs> it is the year 20, 2013. It is July. We're in Toronto. You are me. I am you. You guys are seeing from my perspective. She steps out on stage. She's wearing what would best be described as something analogous to the puffy shirt episode, puffy shirt of <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> she's had many uh, a work done on her face, and she's said throughout her career she felt that she was ugly. She didn't like her nose. She, I mean, jokingly married Kurt Cobain because between he and Axl Rose, th those were the best choices for good noses in rock. Uh, and she, uh, she owned the stage. I mean, granted, it was kind of like glorified guitar hero. She, she did have a teleprompter with all of her chord changes and lyrics. She did take a few breaks to smoke profusely, yell at people and say, I don't want to hear you say I love you, Courtney. Say fuck you, Courtney. <laughs> What can I say? She's a showman. She's a showwoman. And she's a feminist who is unapologetic, and I appreciate that. I love that. My family, I have a younger sister who worships and worshipped at the time Courtney Love. And I did too, because I think that women fucking rule. Women are the most important human beings on the earth. And, you know, I... I'm trying. I'm trying to do your bidding. I'm, I'm trying to help as an, as an advocate and an ally. But uh, for people like Courtney Love, she's fallen many times. She's had all sorts of slings and arrows thrown at her. She is fucked up, and she is not afraid to say that. She's not afraid to say that she's a bitch, and she likes that, and there's room for people who own their being bitchy assholes sometimes or all the time <laughs> among us. So kudos to you, Courtney. Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Lee, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to the Trampoline Hall Podcast. I'm Misha Goldman. Up next, the Q&A. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Are there, are there any questions? Uh, yes, you, sir. Yes, you over there. I really want to hear about your drag performance. What was it like the first time you were Courtney? He wants to hear more what it was like to perform as Courtney. The first time I was uh, working at a bar with a friend, and she wanted to do a couple's costume, and I was like, perfect, I've got it. <laughs> Kurt and Courtney. And she was like, great, okay. And I was like, so you're going to need like some ripped up jeans and a plaid shirt. <laughs> I've got it. And she was like, okay. And, I mean, long story short, I uh, wore this dress, which was given to me by a very good friend who is a fellow lover of Courtney, and got really drunk and did some ecstasy and had a very appropriately Courtney night. I mean, morning. There you go. Does that answer your question? Sure it does. Yes, anything else? Anything else? Uh, all the way in the back room. Yes, you, ma'am. Yes. Uh, you briefly mentioned her travails with parenting. How do you feel about Courtney Love as a mother? How do you feel about Courtney Love as a mother? Wait, did you boo just the question? <laughs> all right, all right, fair enough. I mean, that's a contentious thing, right? I know that um, there's been a lot of bad press. There was that Vanity Fair article in the 90s that said that she was claiming to have done heroin while pregnant with Frances Bean, which she denies and says, you know, are you fucking kidding me? Like, as soon as I knew I was pregnant, I certainly did not do heroin, but was doing heroin just before that. That being said, I, I don't know because I'm not a parent. I'm not Courtney Love. I have no idea what it is like to be a parent. Um, but you're, you're not Courtney Love, but that doesn't stop you from having all sorts of other opinions about Courtney Love. I, Definitely. You're not, you're, not a, uh, uh, you're not a rock icon, but you can think no. about her in that perspective, uh, I, I'm guessing. Yeah, I, I, I don't know that it's an easy answer to give because when you're famous or when you're in a scenario where you're given a lot of privilege, um, it's really difficult for you to have the same kind of relationship that you would in terms of opportunity. She's probably able to give her daughter a lot more opportunity than your average parent. Um, but then in terms of her as a person, like her battles with addiction and just, I don't know, her relationship to the media, I would hope that that's giving Francis Bean a lot of vicarious life lessons on how to handle yourself. <laughs> okay. All right. That seemed, that's it. That seemed diplomatic. Um, uh, yes, you, you, sir. Yes. When you're not doing Courtney drag, do you feel like there are elements of the Courtney personality that infuse your everyday behavior? Thanks. So, so, so the great. So the question is supposed to be here. Are there elements of Courtney's personality that, that infuse your everyday behavior? I think so. I want for there to be. <laughs> I want to invoke Courtney's kind of assertive. Uh, I don't give a rat's ass about what you think. Here's how things are going to go attitude. Right. And do you think you're successful in that at all? <laughs> well, I try to steer the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> do you have... So, are there people here? Are there people... Like, can anyone... Does anyone know, know Cameron? Can you describe, like, is he pretty... Court, is he, like, a pretty... <laughs> fuck you kind of... Wait, wait, so who's, who's out there? Oh, no. Hi. Oh, you know, you know him? 
Oh, okay. And is, he, is that what you describe him as kind of like a rock and roll, fuck you, does whatever he wants kind of guy? Sometimes. Sometimes. He, can, he can get in the attitude of being like, whatever, fuck it. Tell them to fuck up. Well, you say it in the same Courtney Love voice that he says, and he says, whatever, fuck it, yeah. So sometimes he's got like a, a little twinge of that. Is that right? But it's not like the overwhelming. I would actually say he never has that attitude without the voice. But never without the voice, so that's interesting. So in fact, he's, he always sort of like becomes Courtney when he has that attitude, do you think? Oh, that's his voice, that's not Courtney's voice. I think it's a coincidence, and so they found it. So it's a coincidence that when they have personality traits shared, they also, he also speaks in that voice that we now associate with Courtney Love. <laughs> okay. No, I'm sorry that's, to, sorry that's to put true. That. Like when we, I went with, this is Jenny, my friend and roommate, yeah. and a few other friends, uh, to see her, we were all surprised at how many analogous little affectations really? she had to the character, which I wasn't anticipating. I thought I was being... Caricature, or using that as like a, right. a drag, exaggerative, empowering thing, and was sort of like, "Whoa, I have some notes to take." <laughs> Holy shit! So, so Courtney Love went farther with the character than you did. Yes. Right. <laughs> okay, excellent. Uh, any other questions? Anything else you like? Yes, you. you remember in the back. Yes. Do you remember your first impression you had of Courtney Love? First time you like, what was the first time you encountered the idea of Courtney Love and what impression did it make? Is that the... Yeah, um, I remember hearing, or no, seeing the music video for Miss World when I was a tween and being pretty much, like, overwhelmed and gobsmacked at how scary she is and how assertive she is. Um, and how attracted to that I was. It was like, yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> so there you go. Anything else? Anything else you would like to know? Any other questions? Yes, you, sir, yes. What is your favorite Courtney Love lyric? What's your favorite Courtney Love lyric? Uh, I guess I've made my bed, a lie in it, is not necessarily her lyric, but I really like that because it's about self-ownership and saying... Well, yeah, I went out and had a crazy fucked up time and made a mess and said all sorts of things that I shouldn't have. And that's okay, and I don't give a shit. <laughs> all right. How often do you think about Courtney Love? <laughs> well, recently a lot. <laughs> okay, but Jen, okay, but, sure. Um, even, even I've been thinking about her a yeah, lot in the past yeah. half hour. But, but, um, <laughs> like... but uh, I would say... When there are a scenario where I'm thinking about... I, I guess it's when I'm thinking about assertive women in my life right. and then I'm thinking, like, what should I do? And I don't necessarily want to ask them and I'm having a personal dilemma. It's like, well, if Courtney were the person that I was going to ask, she would probably just say shut up. <laughs> so <laughs> that's kind of the... the the Courtney mantra where it's like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> so she's like a sort of like mentor that you carry in your head, but I she's do. not helpful? Is that like, she's like, I'm like too busy to talk, I'm, I'm drunk, I can't talk to you now? A little bit, where it's like, figure it out, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and is that, does that, so you're having some problem, you're like, you're trying to work something out, maybe whatever, you're not getting along with someone at work, you're like, I'll ask Courtney, and she's like, go to hell. And then like, yeah. does that... Does that help you in some way? Does that... Yes. How? <laughs> well, it, it forces me to come up with my own answer, and that's her position, right? She's coming from this era of, uh, I guess, 
what was a neo-punk right. thing right. and is very resentful or questioning of things like um, of Riot Girl, uh, which I was surprised to, to right. realize because a lot of her lyrics are very explicitly feminist. I mean, there are lyrics that say, you're not a feminist, she said to me, fuck you, you don't even know, you don't even know me. <laughs> that kind of, that kind of spirit. And it is about finding your own understanding of who you are and why you're making the choices you're making. She's constantly questioning herself in her lyrics, or at least that's what she's putting out. And it is about being strong enough to say, I don't know, and that's okay. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody <right>. knows. <laughs> okay, so that's so, so that's what, that's what you like. Carrot. That's like the yeah. Okay. It's it's uh, but it isn't just being dismissive. Like uh, I am definitely interested in being nurturing to other people and people being reciprocatively so. But it is about being strong enough to say I'll be okay. I've got right. a lot of privilege here. I'm gonna be fine. <laughs> cool. All right, great. Anything else people would like to know? Uh, uh, do, do, do. Yes, you, sir. Yes, yeah. Did you also have a really bad time in high school? Did you have a bad time in high school like Courtney Love? Sure, yeah. It, it wasn't nearly as but bad they as didn't that. But they didn't call you P-girl. No. Right. But they did. They did call me girl. Yeah. All right. I had issues with uh, gender confusion from other people. It wasn't my problem. It was fucking theirs. Right. Well. <laughs> All right, well, that, that, seemed, that seemed like a pretty Courtney Love uh, punk rock sentiment. Let us end it there. Ladies and gentlemen, Cameron Lee, ladies and gentlemen. Trampling Hall was created in Toronto in the 21st century by Sheila Hetty and is hosted by me. This episode's lecture was chosen by Jordan Tannehill. Podcast is produced by Josh Block. Our theme music was composed by Matt Smith. Trampling Hall is a sumo audio podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, it really helps us out uh, if you want to leave a rating or review on iTunes. So please go ahead and do that. I'm Misha Globerman. Thanks for listening. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.